0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We are
1: spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome
0: to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you join us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, Nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Now, can you even imagine living a life of peace every day? How amazing would that be? Well, I'm here to tell you that yes, it's possible. Yes, you deserve it. And yes, you can have it. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And we're talking about creating a life of peace every day. And of course, we're getting ready to head into a brand new year. I'm super excited for that. And the year 2020. Now, most of us, when I hear the word 2020, I think of the number 2020, I think of perfect vision, right? I wear glasses. So wouldn't I love to 2020. In fact, wouldn't I love to have 2020? Wouldn't you love to have 2020 when it came to our life and the creation of our dreams? And of course, we know that remaining in the present moment is the best way to create the next future moment. We are doing a 2020 challenge everyday peace with Dr. Trayvon James. We're doing a 2020 Clarity Challenge. It's a seven-day challenge to help us improve our ability to create with ease, with flow, with the same energy that is evolving around us without struggle, have a clearer path, to where we're going and to be to create from an energy of peace and love. If you're interested in joining this 2027-day clarity challenge and which I encourage you to do it, you will be so amazed at what comes about in your life when you get into the flow and the rhythm of life instead of that push and tug and struggle and you know that that energy that says i'm fighting for this i'm fighting for that it's so exhausting and you're not as producing as much as you could if you were flowing in the energy of love and allowing so the 2020 clarity challenge uh, you can join this challenge by going on bit.ly bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash 2020 that's 2020 zero zero, clarity capital c challenge capital c so that's bit.ly dot lee forward slash 2020 clarity challenge. And you're going to be amazed at all the, I'm getting great feedback from it. I love it. It energizes me every time I talk about it. This is our year guys. If you're looking to produce and stand in this power of peace every day, wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality, as the way that you create your 2020 year, you got to join this challenge. So without further ado, I want to bring to you our fabulous guest today. If you've been following the post, you know, we're talking today about no more Mrs. Nice Girl. That's the way I'm paraphrasing it. But we have a fabulous guest here today, and we're talking about how playing nice could be ruining your life. We have former Miss USA, Terry Britt. She is a spiritual coach energetic healer, speaker, and change agent for women and their families. She is the founder of Women Leaders of Love Global Community and is the host of the Terry Britt Leading with Love on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Terry is the author of several books, including The Enlightened Mom, A Mother's Guide for Bringing Peace, Love, and Light to Your Family's Life. She's the winner of the best spiritual book of the year at both New York and San Francisco book festivals, as well as her journal of awakening called Message Sent and her latest ebook, Women Leaders of Love, How to End the Number One Massive Mistake Women Make and Unleash Your Greatest Act of Service. Terry has been seen and heard on hundreds of radio and television shows, including Today, Fox, On the Record with Greta von Susteren, and NBC New York. She is a wife, mom, stepmom, and the former news anchor for Movie Time, now known as the E! Channel. For two decades, Terry has been guiding women to stop trying to get it right and to win at life and to raise their worthiness quotient, to inner and outer abundance, to become women leaders of love. I am absolutely thrilled to have on our show today, Terry Britt. Welcome to the Everyday Peace Show, Terry. Hey
1: Drayvon, thank you so much. And I have to add one thing to that that I didn't realize was not in my bio. I am a nana now, so that's the big deal of yes. my life right now. <laughs> She's actually. I know. Old, but I tell yes, you, it, I, is the, it is just the most fun.
0: Oh, it's just glorious.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> I know. I see it on Facebook. I'm like, oh, so beautiful. <laughs> So congratulations, though, huge congratulations. That's like your biggest accomplishment, right? That's my biggest accomplishment.
1: You know, forget everything else. I mean, I'm just, I'm really, really enjoying it. And But you know what's interesting? You, you mentioned my Women Leaders of Love work. I feel more inspired about my work now than I think I ever have because of seeing this little granddaughter and knowing how I would love the world to be for her as a woman and, as a young woman and as a young girl to to see that you know that w- when she follows her heart, she's actually being the greatest service that she can possibly be so i'm I'm excited
0: to you know to to be her nana and to get to plant those seeds <laughs> so and she's so fortunate to have someone who like you as a nana who's done so much energy work and so much uh coaching and become so aware and we're going to hear a little bit about your journey, but you came through this just like all of us do that come, you know, you didn't just come up knowing all of this. You talk about some of your struggles with your own inner self and you came Mm -hmm. through all of this and you arrived here. So you're able to tell her, you know, from personal experience. So that's a wonderful, I'm excited for her to have that firsthand, which makes so much of a difference. So as we go into our talk today, I love the idea about, um, releasing the desire to get it right oh mm-hmm. my gosh right how much pressure mm-hmm. are we constantly under to get it right always to get it right it's, st- it's stifling right sometimes you're just mm-hmm. frozen because you can't go any further into getting it right and, and to let go of that and to go ahead and win in our own space by using our own energy and being our own self but before we get to all of that tell us a little bit about your journey former Miss USA Terry Britt, and you know, and I've been talking to you for a while and didn't realize one and the same. I didn't. I'm like, what? What? Wait. <laughs> so oh, you was, did Oh, my gosh. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> like, I had this big smile on my face. I'm like, I know her.
1: <laughs> it was so funny. I was watching the Miss Universe pageant last night. I never watched them, but last night I watched it, and the girl that won had, from South Africa had really, really, really short hair, and I had short hair. Mine was not as short as hers, but it was very short, And it just, it brought back some memories, but I thought, I am so glad I am not competing with those women now because it is tough. It is a tough competition. I tell you, they are so on their toes and I don't know if I was on my toes I mean, I talked about drinking beer and dipping skull in the back of a pickup truck. Okay, that, when Bob Barker said, What do you do in Cabot, Arkansas? Population 4,000 on a Saturday night. I was very southern and I said, Well, Bob, in the winter we stay at home, but in the summer we go to Tasty Freeze and we sit in the back of my friend's truck. My friends are going to probably shoot me, but the guys drink a little beer. Oh, my, my friend plays the banjo. My, the guys drink a little beer and dip a little skull. skull. It's a real good time. <laughs> and I want. <won. laughs> They but, you know, know it was competitive. World- <laughs> yeah, but either way. Now, and I'm yeah. like, I was not talking about world peace. I was talking about drinking, drinking beer and dipping skulls. So it's a little bit different than it was back
0: then. Either <laughs> way, it's always seemed very intimidating to me uh, and fascinating. You know, the same, you know, I have this uh-huh. thrill, but like, oh, I could never do it. And then I got to tell you, when I, I'm like, wait a second, this is the same Terry. So I'm like showing everybody. I'm like. How, yeah, my show. She's gonna be my show. <laughs> so I was, I'm super excited because I know uh, to win a pageant like that is an honor, and I know that it's a, it was a lot of work then. It's a lot of work now. It forever remains a highly coveted uh, role. I mean, you work really hard to get that title. So, um, so excited well, to have I you in the stop show. I right
1: there because I want to tell you something. That's that's the interesting part of my story, and that's when a seed was planted because i had been that that typical kid who was the work not typical kid i was the overachieving kid i was working really hard trying to always be the best in school graduated second in my class in high school went on to college on scholarship but i followed my boyfriend to college and i wanted to get into broadcasting but i followed him believing that's what love does and the school that he went to did not even have a broadcasting department so of course i was frustrated uh, just months prior to to um, winning Miss USA, I actually would try to beat him up and put my fist in his kitchen window. I, I mean, I had a lot of anger issues. But, you know, people didn't – I'd have that happy face on, trying to do it right and always performing, always trying to be good, and then I would lose it. I would. I mean, I had huge anger issues. But what happened for me, and this is where the shifted mindset began. It was just a seed – is when I was in my second semester of my sophomore year of college, I was talking to a friend at, um, at, I was at home for the weekend. I was talking to him on the phone and I told him how much I did not want to go back to school. He said, well, don't go. I said, I have to. And then he asked me, he said, says who? And I tell you, Drayvon, something just washed over my whole body. And I thought, you're right. Says who? Who am I doing this for? So I went and told my parents and I said, I don't want to do this. I I can't do this anymore. I'll come home. I'll let go of my apartment. I'll get a job. I just can't do this. Well, let me tell you, I think that was probably in the end of January, beginning of February, because we'd just gotten back into school. And by the end of the week, I had someone who had taken over my apartment, which is kind of hard to do when you figure people are already settled in for the semester. And then I started working and selling, Shoes at a department store, and a former Miss Arkansas came in, who I had tried out for the pageant, trying to get a break to get out of Arkansas to go somewhere else, because I just knew I was supposed to. I knew I was supposed to be in California, and I didn't. I didn't win. I'd I'd been in it the the year before. I was top five. Well, she didn't recognize me because I had short hair now, and I'd lost some weight because I wasn't eating college food. And she told me that a, a production company out of Miami had purchased the Miss Arkansas franchise and that it might mean an opportunity for commercials and stuff. So, of course, my little antenna went up, and and my mother made my dress. I went into Miss Arkansas. I won, and two weeks later was shipped to Miss USA. I had no prep time. I had no training. My first runner-up, Miss Texas, had won months. I, I want to say like seven or nine months prior to to the actual Miss USA pageant. She had the beautiful clothes. I was borrowing clothes at Miss USA. So, what I learned, and it took me a while to register with this, is that that night, if I had been trained like so many people get trained to speak about world peace, I would have probably spoken it, and I would not have won. But I spoke real. I spoke honestly. I talked about drinking beer and dipping skull in the back of a pickup truck. So that grabbed people because I was so real. And then in the top five, they said, if you could spread a message to young people on the planet, what would you say? And I said, "To be honest with yourself because if you have honesty, you have everything. And I think I was saying that quite honestly. I'm not sure where it came from because it's kind of the core of my work now. But I think I was just... My boyfriend had run around on me some, and I think I, honesty was such a huge deal for me that that's why it came through. So, But it did. It came through, and a seed was planted. But I went into the television industry, and I always felt like I was performing, always trying to win people's approval. I remember one producer, I was up for a game show to host it, and the producer comes up to me and puts his hand in my hair, and he says, can we loosen this up a little? And it was such... A great example of how uptight I was. It was I was just really always trying to look my best and feeling like I'm not. You know, I have to prove that I'm worthy. Is really what it came down to. Is that if I'm the best, if I show you how good I am and I do everything just right, then I'll be worthy of you seeing me, and I'll be worthy of you hiring me. Possibly, you know, it was was that kind of idea that I had to prove my worth and it was it was debilitating it's what made me so angry and it it was interesting because i really didn't get it though until i got married and i was married to my late husband for 17 years and i've been married now that was steve and i've now been married for 11 years to charlie i've been blessed with two wonderful relationships but with steve in the beginning he had a son who was a little boy i immediately jumped into i'm going to be the best mom right i'm going to do everything right so what did that mean oh you have to prepare his son for the future you have to get him to do the right things and say the right things and one i found my stepson and i we just went head to head with each other and he was this little kid and here's this woman who comes and starts controlling things and then i would blow up and scream and shout and i couldn't stand myself i couldn't stand who i was well, then I had my two daughters who, as I said, my oldest, she just gave me my first grandbaby, and she's in her late 20s. But I had these two girls. And, and so, you know, you're dealing with toddlerhood and babies and stuff. So you're not really paying attention other than that you know that that you are not thriving. You're not you, – I wasn't feeling loving. I wasn't feeling peaceful. I was feeling on edge all the time. Other than when I was just playing with my yeah, got- babies, it was with – Sorry, yeah, go I gotta
0: ask you. I gotta ask you a question because your story is. Before we go too deep in it, your story has so many pearls of wisdom in, in there that I don't want to gloss over. And I really want our listeners to pick up on. Uh, but before we go to that, I want to ask you: Do you know where all the anger came from initially? Because you talk about, you know, the boyfriend. I, I I think I read about putting your fist through his window or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And where was that yeah. anger? Was it something that you? Was it from him or was it, can you track it back to, you know, your inner child? What
1: happened for me is, well, let me tell you what happened. So my dad died in 95. So all this was happening. And that's what, that was the next thing I was going to share with you. My dad died in 95 and he had been my hero as a little kid. I saw him as the one who was valued in the home. I mean, of course, mom and dad, their attitude was, you know, the kids come first. But what I saw was they put themselves on the back burner, but the person who got the last say, the person who was the one who was God in our home was dad. So I decided at a very young age that I was going to be like dad. I didn't want to be like my mom. I saw her as weak. I saw her as, I, I didn't use the word suppressed, obviously, but you know that word was there. Uh, or that description was there. So I really separated from the feminine and went into the masculine. Well, in doing so, that's when I tried to be the best. That's when I was trying to get it right, right? Well, Daddy, the last Mm -hmm. 10 years of his life, he had lost everything in bankruptcy. He became an alcoholic, and he died a hermit and a broken man of lung cancer at the age of 54. Well, when I saw Daddy die, I'm having to deal with this, right? I mean, because he'd been my hero. So I go into therapy, And I'm looking at daddy's life. And I realize in looking at his life that he could not receive love. I remember just a few days before he died, it was, he died on January 2nd, and and he, they actually flew out to California. I was living in California at that time. And they flew out to California. And then the day after Christmas, he started taking a downward spiral. I remember looking at him and saying daddy you can't die you've always been my ally and dravon his eyes bugged like shock and i think he had so much judgment on himself that he did not know that we still loved him even though we would say, Daddy, it doesn't matter. I mean, the reason he lost everything in bankruptcy is everyone was losing everything in bankruptcy in the, in the 80s in Arkansas. I mean, there was page after page after page of them. Friends who had been big contractors were mowing lawns. I mean, it was one of the worst hit states back in the 80s recession. But Daddy, he couldn't deal with it. And we'd say, go flip hamburgers. It doesn't matter. But he couldn't. He became a hermit. And in that moment when I looked at him and I saw his eyes bug out, I could tell he didn't know that we loved him. He couldn't receive our love. And, and then it hit me that Daddy had no forgiveness of himself. He had no forgiveness. And then here's the big aha. The big aha was that I had no forgiveness of myself. And that's what was driving me. I was being driven from this inner belief that there was something wrong with me there was something bad that that i that i couldn't receive love unless i did everything just right and and got everything just to perfection i couldn't receive love so it was that whole spiral of 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 going down and witnessing my dad's death and his life that awakened me to a new way of being. And it was the greatest gift. His death was the greatest gift of my life because it really woke me up.
0: It's often that way too, that in the losing mm-hmm. of something, if we remain open, that we can see ourselves because the journey really is all about us. You know, people say it's not all about you. But that's not true. It really is all about you for our listeners. It really is all about you, and it's all about me, and it's all about Terry. Mm-hmm. Because as we begin to see ourselves more clearly, it allows us to develop a more empathetic, compassionate view of everything, right? And then we can mm-hmm. heal in the world around us. But I, and thank you for that. But in the very beginning, when you talk about, you know, it, at some point, you realize that I'm unhappy at this at this college. doesn't even have the study that I want. You were very right. honest with yourself and said, I only came here because of this boy who I believe I was in love with. And I thought this is what love does. That amount of awareness is tremendous, especially for a young person to be able to say that I only came here because I liked or loved you. And mm-hmm. now I have to stand up to that truth and realize that, okay, even whether I like or love you or not, I'm willing to love me enough, right? Key point for mm-hmm. all of our listeners, women and men, to, to exhibit some self-love, to not shy away. As my sister and I always say, don't squint at the truth, <laughs> <laughs> right? Look the truth yeah. dead in eye, right? Let it be your friend. And so here's the truth. The truth is that, I am unhappy with the decision that I made to follow you to a college that doesn't even have a major that I'm interested in, right? Exactly. That's that's huge. That's huge. We could just talk for an hour on that, being able to see ourselves, right, and allowing ourselves to be, you know, and then you have, of course, when you do that part, then the universe sends you a friend to say, Gary, who says you have to go back? Just a a little right. bit of questioning, a little bit of nudge, right? Because you were honest enough, and the universe supported you and said, "Okay, this is what you need. You need a little nudging." Exactly. And then to face your pain. And then I love how things started falling into place. You're right; it's very hard. I, lived, I went to college in Boston to get someone to sublet your place or take over the lease. Oh, can't yeah, be so difficult.
1: <laughs> when the school, when you've just everybody's just settled in, you know, you know, it was so interesting during that time. And and this is an awareness that. And, and the way you just said that was beautiful. I don't know if I could have se- uh, said those things at that time. I just knew that it wasn't right. It wasn't feeling right. I knew that the relationship was a struggle. I, I could feel all of that. Now, what was interesting is that when I left school, he had left school and we were doing better. Uh, what was really interesting is that in that night of winning Miss USA, you're going to get a kick out of this, is... In that moment of winning, if you could see the video, and if you, anybody wants to go look it up on YouTube, go to uh, Miss USA Crowning 1982, Terry Utley, and it's U-T-L-E-Y. You can just do Miss USA Crowning 1982. But in that moment of winning, of course, there's elation. I, they I, they almost lost me on camera because my mouth was so wide open. Um, and then, and I dropped to my practically to my knees, Then there was this overwhelming sense of is this it because I had spent my whole life looking for love outside of myself and there was still this emptiness. But then you can see it on my face. I look up in the audience where I know he is sitting at the Biloxi big, uh, it was a big arena in Mississippi. And I look up there and I have this look of guilt on my face. And all I can think is, what have I done to his life? Because I know I'm about to be shipped to New York as Miss USA and he's going to be staying in Arkansas. I could not receive that gift, that beautiful gift of being crowned Miss USA because I was so buried in guilt about what this guy in my life, who I thought I loved, what he needed. And it was so profound that when I went back to my room that night after all the festivities, I sat with my family, I sat with Brian, and actually discussed giving the crown back because I didn't want him to be bummed. Now that is ridiculous. That is dysfunction, A, number one, dysfunction. Because I I believed that love meant you denied yourself. I believed that, that love meant... You have to always think about what everyone else needs and completely put your thoughts and feelings on the back burner. That's what I, that's what my family was, the typical American family. This is the way I was raised.
0: And And that's how most women
1: are raised. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are. And that the man is God. And I love men. I have a wonderful marriage. and, And my marriage for 17 years with Steve, it started off, you know, like, rabbits humping? Because this is what we do, right? When you first get together, and then you start having, and then you start having kids, and and then you, you know, the resentments build. But it was through the process of saying no more. I I can't do this anymore. After I went to that therapist, and she said you need to get into meditation. I ended up at a healing school and learned about meditation, and then energetic healing, and then clairvoyant healing, and and I was I was like on this wild adventure of Finding myself and loving myself, but i I made a decision that I would no longer perform, and you you know you can't help it at times because your brain, if you were raised that way, is wired that way, and so you have to really pay attention to what's going on in your outer world to see you know how you're reacting to it, and if you're reacting in anything that's a negative way, chances are you're performing so I just made that my mission is to start paying attention attention to it, and I made my commitment. A commitment was to unconditional love, unconditionally oh, loving you myself. S-
0: and I- <laughs> You're saying so many wonderful things. I mean, and I know we're getting ready to go to a break. We come right back after this break. More with Terry Britt on how trying to be good could be bad for you. We'll be right back after this commercial break. I'm Diane Ray, Program Director for Unity Online Radio, and from all of us at unityonlineradio.org, thanks for your support and for helping us grow this year. We wish you a joyous holiday season. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. This is everyday piece with Dr. Drayvon James and we have former Miss USA Terry Britt with us today and we're talking about how trying to be good could be ruining your life. It could be bad for you. It could be bad for you. It could be bad for your family. What can you do? You know, and as women. I always say what I can't do for myself, I could definitely do for my kids, right? I may not mm-hmm. be able to change for me. But if you say, Drayvon, you changing this would save your daughter, I change in a heartbeat, right? So for those women listeners who find you know, um, that they're people-pleasing, and I was telling Terry during the break, I test these topics out, these subject matters out with people that I come across. And I did actually have someone say to me, Rayvon, I don't know how to stop people pleasing. I am afraid that if I stop, people won't accept me. And that's mm-hmm. a real fear for a lot of women. A lot of times women are feel isolated and lonely within their loving family, right? Because mm-hmm. you get you got empty nesting, you've got um, here, mom, you're just here to do this or do that, you got busy husbands, and you kind of feel lost in the sauce already. And you think right. the best way to keep your family or, your, or people interested in you is to keep them happy. And when they're right. not happy, you fear. There's this, there's this deep sense of, if I don't do this, if I don't concede, if I don't go above and beyond, we've all seen it, moms and women who are just so tired and, and so exhausted. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to just take a quick break from that tell you something that my mother-in-law told me years ago, God rest her soul. She said that when she was a young woman, that doctors would check women into the hospital just for rest, just for rest. And she was telling me at this, at this point in my life, when I was so tired, I, I would have to like make pan one pancake, put it on the griddle and then lie on my kitchen floor and then get back up and turn it. That's how exhausted I was. I later found out that I had an autoimmune disease and I was really, really tired and I was working 13, 14 hours a day. And sometimes seven days a week. But when she told me that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish they still did that. (laughs) Right. We know women who are pushing themselves above and beyond. And a lot of times they know they should stop, but they don't stop Mm -hmm. because they feel already. If I don't do this, my goodness, my biggest fear is I'll end up alone. So I'll keep saying yes when I know I should say no. I'll keep pushing myself when I know I need a break because I don't want to end up alone. So how, how do we break this cycle, Terry?
1: What do we do? Well, well, first of all, listen to what my story was. I was watching my mom and dad. I was watching them deny themselves. You know, I attached myself to daddy's ways because, you know, he seemed like he was at least the one who was seen, heard, and valued. But neither one of them received. And I, they both live by the belief that you shouldn't receive. And so what did that do for me? I grew up and did the same. So... Mm. For me, what I recognized is that it wasn 't what my parents did for me, but how they lived their own lives that impacted me the most. so you know we think with the people that we love that we were doing them a great favor actually what we 're doing is we 're staying in dysfunction we 're not allowing them to get their wings and that was one of the things I started to recognize and it was baby steps at first when I started first loving myself and Saying, Okay, I'm going to give myself a voice. I'm going to ask for what I need. I'm going to set boundaries. What I saw was my family began to shift one because I was by doing those things for myself. I was no longer blaming them for my unhappiness. And so when I stopped blaming them for my unhappiness, the walls came down and there was a deeper, especially between my husband and me, It was there was this deeper intimacy that was created because he says, you mean I'm not the problem? You've been blaming me all these years because you were unhappy and I'm not the problem? It's like, no, I need to love me. And so there, there was a new conversation. I saw my kids quit fighting because I would you know, look at how I was interacting with them and instead of diving into their crap i started looking at myself saying what are my beliefs around this and and i and i recognized that i had a belief that said you can't fight you can't have a voice and as soon as i said yes i can they quit fighting because i shifted the energy and that's what's so important here that we need to understand energy so people can can get a grasp of of why this is important so i want you to imagine that there are two columns And the first column is where you it's broken down it's dark you feel like you're always scrambling and running hard and you're trying to do everything right for everyone else and i want you to just think of this as a low worthiness quotient okay so your worthiness quotient is how open you are to love nurturing and support just for being you no performing okay so here you have a low worthiness quotient And then across the way, on the other side of the room is this big, beautiful column. It's bright. It's vibrant. And this is a high worthiness quotient. And this is where you feel like you're seen. You feel like you matter. You feel like you're loved and you're adored simply for being you. Now, what I've seen over the years is that when we're performing, when we're trying to get it right and do it right and to win other people's love, What we're actually doing is sending an energetic message that says, I am not enough. Okay? we're coming from the lowest vibrations that they've calibrated emotions. We come from the lowest vibrations of either shame or guilt or anger, judgment, whatever those things are. But shame and guilt are the two lowest. And every time we are performing for others, not speaking our voice, not saying what we need to say, we're coming from these very, very low vibrations and because the law of vibration says whatever energy you hold is what you attract to you if you're performing and you're acting like well okay I can't have a voice I don't want to I don't want to rock the boat but then you hold this vibration of shame or guilt then it's always going to feel as if nobody's hearing you it's going to feel like punishment and this is what we don't understand so we think if I perform harder if I work harder then more is going to come no more hardship is gonna come. Yeah, you may have some money show up, you may have a better job show up, but you're gonna just be working that much harder to hold on to it. But it's at the point and this I'm I'm referring to the map of consciousness by um David Hawken, who was a doctor, and and so at the point of two hundred of courage Is where we start bringing positive life force energy and it's the courage to stand in our truth and what happens when you think about the one column to the left and the one column to the right to get to that high worthiness quotient you have to have courage to stand in your truth and as you start walking across this divide of lack and you say I'm giving myself a voice I'm going to love who I am I'm going to honor the way I was created what you actually do is you move into alignment with God you're putting God first See, this is what I've discovered is in the, I was raised in the, in Southern Baptist and I'm not saying, I don't know all, what all Southern Baptists teach now, but when I was a kid, putting God first meant you put yourself last, but every time yes. you perform, mm-hmm. right? So every yes. time you perform, you're separating from God. Every time you try to get it right, you're separating from God. You're wanting other people to love you. But what you're doing is saying, you matter more to me than than my experience with God and and so when you do that that's where the pain and suffering is happening because we're in separation but when we stop being good when we stop performing when we say yes to i'm going to love myself unconditionally we move into alignment we move into a high worthiness quotient because we're saying yes i matter yes i deserve to be seen heard and valued yes i'm holding this vibration and now we feel worthy we feel open and because we're in a high vibration we attract miracles and that's what i learned from miss usa I didn't learn it then. It took me years to figure it out. But when I left school and I quit performing for my boyfriend and quit performing by buying into society that said I had to have this college degree and be a straight-A dean's list student, that I had to have that to, to, to have success, when I quit performing and took back my own power and said yes to me, I said yes to unconditional love. I moved into alignment, I moved into a high worthiness quotient, I raised my vibration and then a miracle showed up, a big one, I won Miss USA. So this yes. is what people are missing because as our parents, as we, the we, we love the people so much and we want to feel loved, but we're never going to feel that love as long as we're performing. We may think we do, but then we're always on eggshell thinking, well, if I do it wrong, for Aunt Susie or Sister Sally, if I do it wrong, then they're going to be mad at me. So we're always on eggshells. We have to take yes. and we, we have to become the leader of our own lives. We have to become, I call it the divine mother, because the way I was shown to choose unconditional love is one day I was meditating on unconditional love. And little Terry, the little girl inside of me, showed up, Drayvon. And as I'm looking at her and crying because I'd never acknowledged her, I heard get up and write this, this is the beginning of your book. And that was my first book message sent, which was really a journal. And I became aware of how I suppressed this inner child, but as I loved her, and as I said yes to her, and I asked her, what's hurting? What's the belief you're holding on to? How, how do I love you? How, what's going to make you joyful? And then I took action upon that. My whole world shifted, and that's where I found the peace and the happiness that I've been craving and the abundance and the deeper relationships. And I see my kids thrive and I see my daughters who are grown and I see them doing this with their husbands, which is so cool. Or one husband and boyfriends. There's only one husband. But, you know, it's so cool to see it. It's so cool right. to see I'm... them inviting them into the conversation. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: What I love, and we and we didn't get to this in the before the break, but I want to say this. One of the phrases that I love, and you just said it, that you use a lot, is that questioning of our inner child is, "What's hurting?" And yes. phrasing it that way, and I gotta just say, as a mom of two, it evoke some tenderness towards myself right that same tenderness that you know i can picture my little kids coming in and i always go back to middle school because that was really really rough for my kids both of them i have my daughter's the oldest my son is the youngest but when they were in middle school it was really really challenging and you know for for a lot of kids but Mm -hmm. then sitting down and saying to them rubbing them on the back and saying what's hurting tell me what tell me what happened Right. And mm-hmm. then extending that same love and warmth to, to myself with that question. What's hurting? Right. It breaks down all your defenses. It's not what's wrong. It's not what happened. It's what's hurting. It's so human and so basic. And I think that it's so pure till it really gets into melt, melting away your defenses. Right. you you kind of feel heard and seen. Like oh my gosh, you want to yeah. see me? You want to know about me? You know, you want to know what hurts me? And so often in the life of a woman, and this is not saying anything wrong, you know, with men at all because I'm I'm not about mm-hmm. that at all. I love absolutely adore men, and, and, but so often in the life, in the life of women, we don't take a moment to ask ourselves what's hurting because we're such nurturers. We mm-hmm. we. Get into that give, give, give. But giving backfires, and this is why I really love this um, topic today, giving backfires if it doesn't come from a place of abundance. If you're giving from the bottom of the barrel and you're empty, it's like giving, you know, you're throwing the oatmeal in the bowl and you're slopping it in there as opposed to placing it nice Mm -hmm. and, you know, with all your love and kindness because you're exhausted. You don't have anything to You really got to love on yourself. And I love this, you know, low worthiness, high worthiness, because as you were talking about that, I was just jotting down some things that, you know, low worthiness is when you're, you have shame, guilt, Mm -hmm. doing things out of obligation, right? You know, you really don't want to do it, but you're doing it out. That's got to be low, low, low. You're doing it out of obligation, fear, a feeling of lack, a feeling of inferiority. And I got to tell you, as 30 years I've been a pharmacist, and a lot of times I talked and, and been in a position of leadership for most of those years, I talked to women all the time who talk to me about not feeling up to the task you know, feeling inferior mm-hmm. and getting them to realize that really everybody, no one feels as smart as everybody else thinks they are, right? No one mm-hmm. does. You're mm-hmm. like, what? You expect me to know the answer to that? So letting them know that's a part of the human experience. That's the thing that keeps us our feet on the ground. And we don't begin to, become to be too difficult to deal with because we think we're the genius. You don't, that doesn't mean you're inferior. Of course, you, you know what you know, and you're willing to grow. There's no more genius than that. You're willing to right. learn more right? Showing up mm-hmm. that way instead of showing up, that's the, the exact opposite of showing up. I'm not good enough. And so I have right. to perform because if I don't perform, if I don't act in, in every day, how exhausting is that? Really? Even when I say it, it sounds exhausting to know that every day you have to show up and you have to perform. You can't show up in your true skin as your true self. Well, it you know what
1: I, you. when you go going back to the woman you were talking about, uh, about who she was afraid to stop performing and start trying to please everyone because of she might lose their love so what's happening because i think we can all relate to that what's happening in that moment is the little child inside of her is afraid of being abandoned she's afraid of not mm-hmm. being loved those words that are coming out are the little girl inside of her who are saying that if we will step in and say wait I'm not going to let the little girl rule my life anymore. I'm going to be the divine mother to her. And we step in and we visualize that child and say, wow, I can see you're really hurting. What do you need from me to feel loved? So you'll quit seeking it from everyone else. And then when you hear that and you take action, you've created a deep connection. You've honored and loved the way you were created. You are sending an energetic ma- message that you matter, that you're lovable, that you're likable, and that you're of value. And because you're now doing this, and the more you do it, the more you honor this each and every day, your vibration is going to shift. It's going to rise, 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 rise. And you're going to attract situations and people to you that mirror this to you. So they're going to mirror your value. They're going to mirror loving you unconditionally they're going to mirror forgiveness they're going to mirror all of these things that you want from the people around you but as long as you're performing you're never going to have that experience here's the other key when we choose to become a woman leader of love when we choose to say I'm taking a stand for unconditional love and a high worthiness quotient we become that example for the people we care about they get to watch us and learn I saw it, I've seen it with both of my husbands, my late husband, my husband now, my children, my friends. I've been coaching for 20 years. I've seen people from all walks of life have this experience of when you choose unconditional love, you you tap into an energetic field of abundance. You have to think of it as unconditional love equals abundance. And it means you're putting God first. So we've got to redefine what putting god first is and i'll tell you when i got married to charlie because when my husband died i was holding a vision of passion and purpose for us he had had uh, he had had prostate cancer which was he i mean it was very advanced and then he ended up dying of a heart attack so charlie comes into my life the next day and says let me support you through this i barely knew the man well, a year and a half later, we're getting married. Well, my kids, of course, they were still dealing with their dad's uh, pain. But I was following my intuition. I was following the feelings of my heart. I was following what, you know, what was my soul telling me? And I had to look at my kids and say, I love you. And I would never intentionally hurt you. But God comes first in my life. And I'm getting the messages that this is right.
0: My kids oh, so I got st- to stop you, you right there, too. Please say that again, because I know that there are women who need to hear that. Because so often we believe we are doing our children a favor by putting their needs and their wants above what we know is right, right for ourselves. So you got to, right. I got to let you say that again.
1: So what I just Do said, said to them is that I love you, I love you, and I would never intentionally hurt you. But God comes first in my life. And for me, and and this is a sidebar, God is the feelings in my heart that say this is right, that knowingness, that feeling. And so I have to stand in that because I knew this was the greatest gift I could give my children for them to have that kind of strength to stand in their truth, to put God first, to be in in alignment and be in a high worthiness quotient. And so I just I had to keep just standing in that and if they if they reacted in anger and if I felt if I felt like I was lit up by it I would go within and look at the little girl inside of me and say little Terry what's this mirroring to you what belief are you holding on to that's making you feel so bad because your outer world is a mirror to what's going on in your inner world and you know and so little Terry might say well I'm going to lose their love if I stand in my truth. And I'd say, no, you're not. They're just showing you that you still have guilt. So let's drain the guilt off. Let's let it go because you know the truth. And I might go back through a, you know, a, a few experiences where I knew the truth and got grounded in it. And so the more I stood in it, the more their anger went away. And my kids will tell you it's the greatest thing I did. It, they will tell yeah. you that.
0: I And I got to say this. It sounds so easy and we're wrapped up in love and warmth. I hope that all the listeners can feel this in this conversation because right here, you make it sound so easy. And so, but I know, I'm glad that you said that bottom, that, that last part there is that because we do have these moments where we're, we, we know that we feel that we've, felt the presence of the universal energy God what have you, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that I, I believe this is the right thing. But then you look into someone's eyes who you love, your this earthly person whom you can touch and you can feel their pain and they say to you, your decision to do something or to not do something because you feel guided that way is hurting me. My goodness, that does create a feeling of being torn inside. And I love mm-hmm. when you went back and you and you sat with them and said, yes, little Terry, mm-hmm. what's going on with you? You say, well, I'm afraid mm-hmm. that if I don't please them, I really get this. Um, I'm afraid that if I don't please this individual mm-hmm. and then fill right. in the blank for yourself, because it happens on so many levels with our children, with our coworkers, with people we don't even know. Right. You'll yes, be exactly. I have a friend who is overcome with guilt about everything. If she doesn't, if if she forgets to call somebody back, chief, I'm like, you can't live your life this way. That phone call, if you were, you know, it'll be okay. You have to learn to relax. But I love how you just cleared that up and said, go, to, go within. This is because little Terry was still dealing with some guilt. And so let's go in and mm-hmm. let's go in and clean that up. And we only have about six minutes left. Um, and I want to finish off by you telling the listeners how they can connect with you, because the work that you're doing right here, that's coming through right here is so passionate and so impactful. Mm-hmm. And you're a spiritual <laughs> coach. <you're laughs> of course, you are a speaker and a writer, but your energy is so wonderful. And I, I would be remiss if the callers didn't know, the listeners didn't know how to connect with you and how to um to just find out how to go to the next level, what what how they can work with you to work through some of these things because that knowing how to deal with that sense of guilt is huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are carrying that around, they're carrying it around 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, still dealing with some guilt over some stuff that the little them little drave you know. So yeah. but before we, yeah, so we got about five minutes left. Tell us what, what what's so, next for you and how we can connect. Well, what the first
1: thing I would do is I would invite everybody to get my free ebook, Women Leaders of Love, because I go through there and I give some steps on how to to start stopping the performance, how to raise your worthiness quotient and how to stop being good, because it, as you said, you, you read the subtitle when you did the bio, it's how to end the number one massive mistake, women make and unleash your greatest act of service. And it is. The number one stake is being good because that is our huge mistake because we set ourselves up for failure to separate, to be in disconnect and pain and suffering. And people learn it from us. We women are the nurturers of the planet. We are the mamas and the grandmamas and the sisters and the girlfriends. And when we deny ourselves, we are setting everyone else up who watches us for failure. And yeah, we can't take responsibility for them and their choices, but we're setting an example. And I can tell you, as I have set an example of changing my life from anger to love, touched a lot of people's lives to do the same and it's like i know it's my greatest act of service so it's your greatest act of service too so the the ebook comes with three meditations to take you through some some deep stuff to start looking immediately it's called my worthiness quotient breakthrough bundle and you get the book and the three meditations for free Um, you can go to terrybritt.com forward slash leaders and so it's just t-e-r-r-i Brit is B as in boy, R-I-T-T dot com, and then forward slash leaders, L-E-A-D-E-R-S. So you can find me there. Um, You can go to Facebook uh, at my page as Women Leaders of Love. And you had mentioned the radio show, but I actually felt in my heart it was time to let my show go. It just felt like it was time for the next thing to create space. So you can go to my radio page at terrybrittcom forward slash radio and listen to all my old shows, but I am no longer hosting it as of two weeks ago. It felt it was time to be done after two and a half years. I'm creating an opening for what's next. I'm not sure what that is. And, um, and I'm just being in a play space right now.
0: Oh, and I love that too. There's a lesson there that was, as soon as you said that I went all, my mind, jumped back to the college years when you were able to walk away and say, Hey, I'm open mm-hmm. to what's next. I'm, Yeah. To what's next. That is an amazing place to be, being open to to what's next. And here is the thing. I find that a lot of people that I talk with are not open to what's next because they are so uncertain of what's next. Uncertainty Mm -hmm. plagues people, right? But here's the deal. None of us knows what is right around the corner. We don't have that type of vision. Our best power, all of our power, in fact, lies in being present, fully present fully in the now and when you're fully Mm -hmm. present fully in the now and your worthiness quotient is high you're able to listen and hear and then without stress able to say yes i'm saying yes to what i should say yes to and no to what i should say no to right and that and i and i hear that all over saying you know i've been you've been at this radio station two and a half years and now you feel like okay i'm whatever's next that pull. So your worthiness quotient obviously is high and you're able to not only hear, but to be obedient. You know, here's
1: a, here's a really fun thing is um, I have a quiz. It's your worthiness quotient and it, it really gets a a feel for where you are in your life and how much you're loving yourself. And you can just go to com forward slash quiz and take the quiz. It'll take about three or five minutes, however long it takes you to think about each question. They're just simple questions and you, you know, choose it's you know it's you just pick an answer you don't have to write anything out but it's it's very eye-opening when you say wow hmm, my outer world is really showing me that i'm not loving myself my outer world feels hard my my relationships are hard i my work feels hard i feel like i don't matter my health is struggling i feel like you know when when is it going to be my turn then i take you through some information and give it to you and, and help you start moving into a higher worthiness quotient. So that's
0: another way for people to connect. That is wonderful. So we're just about at the top of the hour. This is Dr. Drayvon James signing off with Terry Britt, our fabulous guest for today. I absolutely love you. I'll see you next right. week on Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James.